Welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. I thank you and praise you for all of the ways that you love us and bless us. You take care of us. Lord, I ask for safety for those who are traveling during spring break. I ask Jesus that you would bless them as they travel with your traveling mercies and Mother Mary, that your mantle of traveling mercies and motherly intercession would be over them each and all. I thank you for the gift of our faith, Lord. I pray that you would set it on fire, Lord. Ignite in us a new fervor to worship you and to live for you. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Carrie, I think one of the more, I don't know if the word the right word is exciting, but really cool things happening. I got a couple of texts on this. Did, um, did you get a text? Because you asked me about it, about the Asbury University revival happening right now. Oh, I got a text from our daughter. Oh, okay. Was it Mary Grace? Yes. Yeah. So folks, I don't know if you've heard anything about this, but I don't know if people are calling it another great awakening or another moment of revival, but at this Christian college in Kentucky called Asbury University, um, back on February the 8th, they went into their one, every, the three times a week, they have these uh, morning, or these morning prayer services that are forced, you know, students are required to attend. And I love the way that they described what happened, that, uh, they, they went in to do their little uh, prayer service, and it didn't end. <laughs> they said, here at Asbury University, three mornings a week, we have chapel. On Wednesday, February 8th, it didn't end. And literally didn't end. And since then, now it's nine days later, they've been having a 24-hour a day, seven-day-a-week, so nonstop time of praise and worship, of preaching and prayer, of ministry and testimony, um, happening and uh, it, the student body president was interviewed on Fox News, and she said people have come from Brazil, Indonesia, in almost every U.S. state. That's stunning. That is stunning. I think that's what's so neat about it is people are driving five, ten, fifteen hours camping outside. I think it spe- it speaks about the hunger that we as a body of Christ have in wanting to go after God. But it's something that I just don't have on my own, in my own prayer closet or going to Mass or with my family. But when you see or sense God moving, there is this kind of stirring or awakening or desire to be a part of it or to be caught up in it. And and I'm not saying that this isn't um, fully Holy Spirit-led. I don't know. I haven't looked at it at all. But just the whole idea of wanting to be a part of it is definitely a human desire or like I can see myself if it was nearby, oh, let's go there and pray and seek after the Lord, that I would love that that encounter or that opportunity. But I don't want to just do it on my own. It has to be somebody else or God-driven or, I don't know, there's this dynamic that awakens in people to want to be a part of that. It's, I I find it a fascinating blend of this is the work of God, right? This didn't happen because they had a great marketing plan that they implemented on February 8th after all these months of preparation and all the money they spent to get it going. No, it was God. And that for me is one of the, I think one of the really cool things is that when you see a work of God, when you see the hand of God moving, you can't explain it at a human level. And so there's a magnetic power. Uh, and, and that's, I think, so beautiful and true that we are made for God. And so when God shows up, uh, there's a magnetism there. God's love magnetically draws people to himself and, and then has drawn out people to worship. You can You can go and watch a live stream. I don't know if it's always happening, but... Before you and I recorded this, I went on and it was the, the the chapel was pretty much full, and they were praising God in prayer and song. I think that's probably most of what they're doing is songs of praise, and that's so powerful because that's heaven breaking into earth. Heaven breaking into earth is is praise, 
And that's what we were made for. We were made to praise God. We were created to glorify the Lord with, uh, uh, with all that we are and all that we have. And so uh, God is worthy of our praises. And so I, I think that seeing that that unfolds is something that, in, in a certain way, is God's response. You know, it's like we try to look around. And when I have guests on, I'll often say, where do you see a sign of God? Where oh, you do you see do? a sign of hope? Yeah, it's one of the, one of the standard questions I'll ask folks uh, especially if they're co- like covering a heavy topic, is they'll say, what, what do you see as a sign of hope in the world today? And I, I look at something like this, and I say, yeah, there we go. Young people are desperately hungry. They're dying of spiritual thirst, looking for something that will satisfy the longings of the human heart, and nothing in this world is going to do it, even though you have ever more glitzy and glamorous and... Uh, pervasive uh, sales jobs saying this will do it. And when it leaves them that much more empty, then it's, it, it's harder to uh, then say, no, no, the Lord is what you were really made for. People will feel like, oh, I've been sold a bill of goods so many times, I'm tired of it. And yet to see this happen, something like this, however long it's going to unfold, you don't see again, a, uh, a massive orchestration of things to make this happen. It, it's God. But I called it mysterious because a mysterious blending, because one of the ways that it has gone viral, if you will, it has, the word has gotten out is through social media platforms. TikTok, I guess, was the, with the principal one. Oh, really? Isn't that funny? That is interesting. For all the hundred times that I've said how evil TikTok is, in, and it is, <laughs> in case you didn't just in case you didn't know what that. I really believe about it, just terrible. Uh, I I didn't find it on TikTok, but I found it on YouTube. Just typed in Asbury University, and then immediately it'll fill in the rest and just click on live, and it'll give you a live feed of the um, of the service, the ongoing prayer that's happening. I just think that's so powerful. But you know what's funny to me, Carrie? That's been going on twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. For eight days. Now it's on the ninth day. Well, guess what? You and I have been part of a parish now for a few years that has had 24 hour a day, seven day a week adoration going on before the presence of the Lord. Now, if we could just pack that chapel and get 300 people there, they'd have to move it to the to the church. Yeah, that's but. It just it dawned on me as we were even just launching into the topic. Wait a minute. There are so many uh, perpetual adoration chapels that are happening around the world that have Catholic believers on their knees, on their faces, in prayer, adoring the Lord. But the great sadness is that those are not full. You know, have how many times have you gone to an adoration chapel and there was no room? And sometimes we've gone as a family and kind of filled up most of the seats, but you pretty much don't ever go into an adoration chapel that's just full because Jesus Christ is showing up in in his humble glory as Eucharist. And and so he's left. He's left often by himself or in in, in places that have the commitment of adoration, someone, one person showing up. I just really think it's interesting the hunger people have to be a part of something that God is bringing to here on earth. But it's not like you can't, of course, you can't manifest that on your own and in your own prayer because it's a gift. And it's given as a gift from the Heavenly Father. He chooses where he wants to pour out his power, his glory, his presence in a life-changing way. And so people seeking after that, wanting to go to that. Although I guess you really make a good point. If he's present in the in the Eucharistic chapel, you could go to that at any point. There, but there is a sense of being involved in community and communion and togetherness. I think a lot of people are so ready to connect in person versus you know just seeing things online that they're willing to get in the car and drive 10 hours. Yeah, I think that, I'll finish up one last quote from this article. The head of the student body, uh, a a student named Allison, was saying there's a young army of believers 
um, who are rising to claim Christianity as their own, as a young generation and free generation. That's why people can't get enough. And I think she's, it's kind of a cute statement from a, a college student, but there is something there. There is, young people are looking for, I, I, I remember just, I wanted an all-in thing. I wanted something that was asking something heroic, something that was uh, magnanimous, right? It was requiring something very a generous, total giving. And so you and I both have stories of, you know, prayer meetings that lasted hours and hours. And um, as some of the most profound, profoundly impactful um, early experiences in our own life of faith. Did I tell you how this, I was at a church and they were talking about how the young adults, the youth were sh- going to shred the Bible and read it in a month? Oh yeah, I like that. <laughs> but when people hear shred, shred they it. think tear it up. Right? I think they just mean read through it really fast and hopefully get something out of it. But it was more this just like heroic attempt to, I don't know how many hours you'd have to read a day to get through the whole Bible. Yeah, if you're uh, reading uh, everything, that's a lot. <laughs> if you're going to do it in a month, I mean, that's quite a bit. You have to read really fast. I think during Lent, I think if kids or teens got together and came up with some feats that they wanted to accomplish, it couldn't be put upon them by parents, I don't think, or adults, but maybe a youth director or someone who they look to. There could be this great effort to grow or to do something awesome for God. I don't know what that would be. I'm just saying it. Would, it's kind of cool when you're at that age and you have that energy and you can just go after him. And it's so inspiring to all those around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, uh, I I don't know where God is going to take this, but I do know that what you talked about, the element of community, is I think one of the more powerful aspects of what's happening there. Um, I think about the group that you started. Um, you guys met for the first time a week ago, and that was a lot of effort. <laughs> wait, wait, what did you do? How did you help with that? <laughs> I know, but I did all the work. I'm just, I just can't remember exactly what you did. I would, there was a solidarity. No, that no, was... no, no, no. Remind me exactly. Because this is like when you said we painted the house, and I said, oh, absolutely not. I, I painted with the kids. Hold on, hold on. The house. This is on the radio, Jerry, okay? <laughs> I'm just well, let saying. Me, let me just get away with this. When okay? you said it was a lot of work, I'm trying to remember what you did. <laughs> I just remember it was, so, it was a lot hanging over the whole home for a few days. Oh, okay. So my emotional like outbursts and energy. I didn't say that. You lack see, of dinner. I'm not, not going to, guys, pay attention. <laughs> Listen now. Listen very carefully to how I language. I use language. I am not saying that you were emotionally burdening the family, or triggering the family, or overwhelming the family with your anxiety and need to control. I'm not saying any of that. That is so harsh. <laughs> That is so harsh. That was a joke. I I know, but I don't know if people know that was a joke. That was a joke, Do they know that was a joke? I'm sure they know it was a joke. But there was a sense of you wanted the house just right. You wanted everything just right. And and everything just right was not only the home, but the food and the flow of the event and the environment. What did you do to contribute? <laughs> I'm just wondering again. I have a, my Honey, memory is stop, very weak. Stop. Let it, let, I repent in dust and ashes, an early experience of life, okay. forever you, having brought up even a tone of voice that hinted at the idea that I had any kind of heavy lifting involved. I know. Okay? I did not make you lunch for a few days. You were That was a burden. You were on your own. That was a heavy burden. <laughs> Well, let's come back around to the experience that you had with the ladies. It was okay. (laughs) (laughs) Joking. No, it was great. Um, I think, so we're doing this Bible study called Fearless and Free. It's by the Lisa Breckenmeyer, Mayer, something like that. And she has a bunch of them. And I don't even know, I can't remember exactly what I shared about this. But this particular one is very in-depth. So we went from... Six weeks to 11 weeks. So we extended it beyond Lent because it goes into a lot of inner healing and being set free and knowing your identity in Christ. We read through the whole book of Ephesians. Plus they hit the doc- Dr. Bob Schutz healing. John Paul II healing <laughs> center. They just keep going through a bunch of different things. 
All right, Carrie, I want to hear more about it because I know the like the the wow factor that seemed to show up when um, I got, got there at the end. Back in a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today. I'm with my wife, Carrie, and we're talking a bit about the, the things that w- that have been happening in our life leading up to, well, next Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. So lots to cover. I think, Carrie, one of the exciting things, this isn't a 24-7 revival like at Asbury College University in Kentucky, but um, a beautiful sign of, I think, coming alive in faith that I saw um, on the faces of the ladies at the end. I showed up kind of at the end of your um, Bible study time, or I call it a Bible study, faith sharing group. What do you even call it? I think it is a Bible study because you have homework. Whenever you have homework, well, we call it spiritual reading. So it doesn't sound so daunting. <laughs> you have spiritual, well, that's what you need. If you're going to get a spiritual director, you have to do spiritual reading to grow your mind and heart. You, if you really want to use, like, if you want to flex some Catholic tradition stuff, just call it mental prayer. But it's reading. No, like, mental prayer, one form of mental prayer, you obviously haven't read Oh, is your Vavala, mind. Is, is spiritual reading. Really? Yeah. Oh, thank the Lord. So well, I've actually prayed an hour today and not five minutes because I read for 50 minutes. Yeah, Does that so, count? Yeah. <laughs> well, prayer. Carrie, look. When you read, like when I read von Balthasar or Aquinas or when I'm reading, you know, those theology books, I'm, I'm having a dialogue with God while I read. So in other words, I'm reading the text and it's like God is with me, like on my, not on my shoulder, but sort of right there with me. And I, I'm so often when I'm reading, not just like caught up in my head, mm-hmm. but I'm talking to the Lord while I'm reading. So it's like, wow, God, that is amazing. I, I, what I he guess. just said about you is incredible. <laughs> I guess it depends on what you're reading. Because in this particular book, she has, let me tell you a story. Um, so there are parts where you're reflecting on scripture and an insight or your own life. And then there are other parts where it's just like light, spiritual happy sure. yeah. fiction. I don't right, know. right. So mental prayer in terms of the idea of spiritual reading is a form of mental prayer. Not all of, not anything you read just because it uses the word God in faith is going to be at the same like continuity or the sure. same level of, oh yeah, I can call this mental prayer versus, oh, I'm just going to call this reading about religious things. Someone said we should refer to ourselves not as refugees, but as pilgrims. I don't know the difference. Do you? Yeah. So, um, how would you describe? So, typically, a pilgrim is someone who is on a journey, and that journey is often connected to a, a particular destination. So, going on a pilgrimage. Yeah, exactly. But you're, you have a home that you leave, and you go on a trip, and then you come back. Right. <laughs> I'm just, which I like the idea. I don't like the idea of being a refugee because it sounds so harsh. Yeah, so a refugee is what? You've been displaced. Leave your homeland. You've been uprooted. You've been pushed out or forced out. You've been you've had your way of life or your very being threatened and now you're being uh alienated and cut off from what you know is home. I feel like Well, that's a lot that's a lot harder than a pilgrimage, I right? It feels like really not happy or it doesn't have a good feel to it. Although what I'm experiencing is amazing. It's not like I am leaving my home country, which is so wonderful to go to this place that is terrible. I've left a terrible place to go to a wonderful place. So 
I don't like I think of a refugee as someone from the Ukraine who lost their whole country and they had to flee and they're just here and it's awful. Yeah, but what do they do while they're here? They realize we can't get back home. So now home is where we are as a family and we need to put down roots as it makes sense here. Right. So I'm sticking by it now. Maybe my language will continue to change. uh, But that idea of being Catholic refugees it it does feel uh, because the the it's not just that you're being like displaced from right mm-hmm. you're also seeking a place of protective cover for that's true that's what a refuge is oh like a, a refuge in a time of a storm is hey let's get into this cave and let's get out of the the impact of those terrible elements that are harshly beating down on us I think I think of a refugee camp, and I don't feel that at all. I feel like I feel that I'm in a. a You're in very a refugee glamp. Awesome. You're glamping. I'm glamping. I feel like I'm in an awesome place. <laughs> Anyhow, that's interesting. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten us with a word that better captures what it is, because I'm interested. So the the reason I'm bringing this up, Tom, is everyone in our Bible study has left wherever they were raised or wherever they had lived the last 10, 15, 20, 30 years and moved. So we're all new to each other. Some of our lives crossed over in small ways. Like I heard of this person or I ran into this person at a conference, but I didn't really know any of them in a close way. And so... By the way, that's pretty striking. That is really striking. So we're trying to figure out how do you bind your hearts and minds and purpose together and start like brand new? So I, I said to you... What's common among you all is the wound. term <laughs> <laughs> PTSD. What, what I said to you is that usually when you grow in a community, you get married and then you start to have children and you start to share each of these births and a pregnant, a pregnancy burst, you know, toddler years. So life's all the, the cycles stages. of life. You're like yeah. kind of walking together through these stages for years and years and years. So we all get together. We've already all had kids. There's no one in the group I think that's having any more kids. We're all a little bit in the other side of life. But we've left everything and we're starting brand new. And we've already had our spouse, you know, we're 20, 30 years into our marriage our kids are now grown or growing. And so you're starting at this middle of life space. It's just really different. I don't know. It's interesting. And so the the one thing I noticed, though, and related to this revival and related to COVID, is that kind of time when I was in Seattle, I felt like I was numbing. I think I was, or or I was living life just kind of on a conveyor belt. What What's next? What's next? What's next? not really sure how to grow in my faith or not really seeking after a deeper faith with a a focus and an intention that I think God wanted for me. And there was almost this also a hustling, busy, going here, going there. And I don't think that those things are so dominant in our lives now. I feel that COVID has exposed the hustle of being involved in lots of different things and I think it's also exposed our need to go deeper into God. The word wasn't hustle. What was the word that they used? Busy. Where? Uh, uh, like on social media people. That guy that swears a lot and used to sell wine. Oh, what was yeah. That word? It wasn't hustle. It wasn't I think the it was. Was hustle. it hustle? Yes. Okay. Not hurried or hustled. or. Should we pause and go look it up? Yeah, no kidding, huh? I don't remember, but... I, I and then the word was destroyed. I think we came up with the idea that it was a distracted life or a dispersed life, right? Yeah. I think we're living more of a now. I think if it less, it's about um, we are chasing after the wrong thing. It's that maybe we're not chasing <laughs> hard enough. That uh, that it, it's so easy to get distracted, uh, on, especially on the phones and stuff and and media, that we don't. We don't pursue, that's probably a better word, we don't pursue God with a degree of heroism that maybe we hearken back to when we see that Asbury uh, University video. Also, when I encounter Lent, I think Lent is the season where I begin to take a little bit more seriously up my game 
know that there's 40 days involved plus the Sundays and that there's a way in which, okay, we can do something that's more deliberate and intentional and holy for him. So there is this wanting to, to go into Lent with a desire to come out transformed. Yeah. Do you? I, yeah. I, no, I don't know. I, Maybe. I, I, no, I'm, I'll be honest. Okay, I'm going to put it out there. I'm a little scared of this Lent. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit nervous about my Lent. Because, because of all the work you have to do? No, I was talking with Father, the, the Fathers. Uh, the Fathers. Yeah, the Father patriarchs. Nagel and Father Lewis, when we were recording for Monday, and we were talking about Lent. you got to tune in. It's a cool program. Um, and I'm like, oh, no. I have to do the guardian angel humble me every day prayer again. Oh. And I'm like, oh, really? God, do I have to? The good thing is my word, my virtue for the year is humility. Maybe it's for you. So that's what it was. So we can do it together. No, that wasn't the word. Maybe the, I've already been, I've done humility. I do it every done, day. Are you done with humility? No, I kind of find it funny. I actually find humility comical because... The Lord is so big, and we're so consumed with our tiny nothingness that we get that I get up bent out of shape if someone knows something about me or I do something that I don't look, I don't have esteem in someone's eyes. But then when I think of the bigness of God, I think, oh, this is really comical that I'm not caught up in who I am. <laughs> I don't like to be exposed. Yeah, because a lot of humbling is the willingness to receive an insightful exposure. And that happened over the weekend, the past weekend. Mary Grace, our oldest daughter, came home uh, to visit with uh, one of her roommates, a sweet young lady. And um, I thought she was visiting because it was the basketball tournament. And she had no idea. And so she shows up on Thursday, the first day of the tournament. And she left on Sunday, the day Super Bowl Sunday, and the day after the last day of the tournament. So her entire time here was marked by the boys and girls varsity basketball tournaments that the Oaks were in. And therefore, her sister and her two brothers were part of these games. And they went all the way to the finals on Saturday night. And she, I felt exposed because she said, this is an idol. You guys talk way too much about sports. Well, it wasn't that we were just at the games. It's when we came home, we talked about the games for another hour and a half. And then if if we could bring up anything about videos or previous clips or previous whatever, that would happen. So there was a lot, and I don't think it was exceptional, except it was a, the weekend of the tournament and they played every day. But it was, um, I've, I've been convicted of that. It's still going. So we went to Luciana's tournament day. Oh, that was happening too. For volleyball. And Again, these are girls that can barely get the ball over the net. And the amount of adults packed into these stands watching little kids hit a ball <laughs> underhand over whatever, over a net, not even hitting it over the net, hitting the net, cheering them on, keeping score. I just, I, I don't know how people can just sit there and think this is okay. <laughs> no, does that sound so silly? I don't know why I have such a, uh, in my mind and heart when I see just this, waste of time or this just hyper focus on kids playing with the ball i don't i can't i don't know now when they get older it's very exciting <laughs> but again they're not then even we can waste getting... our time yes nice. then you can... <laughs> we can take videos and talk about it and, and dream i don't know and, and relive our it's... childhood and... <sighs> yeah. I, ca I cannot anyhow she did call us out and i think it's for me it wasn't just talking about it. It's in my mind and heart what I think about or contemplate about my kids becoming, doing, how they're performing. There is this whole way in which it's not just the game. There's more to, if you honestly look at your child in a sport and the amount of time you think about them doing amazing plays and moves and, and successes and triumphs and whatever, it, it's like, do I think that much about the Lord in evangelizing my neighbor? Like, am I excited to make a great strategic move to convert my neighbor? Absolutely not. <laughs> I avoid her. Do I, like, in my mind and heart, think, oh, it's going to be so amazing when I go to adoration and I just sit there with all the angels and just the victory and the, the points we're going to get up in heaven and the ability to just have everyone cheering me on as I go, grow closer to the Lord. 
like all of that focus is not at all with the Lord. It's all about my kids playing with a ball. Do you see how it consumes more than just... When you strip it away and you just describe it like that. <laughs> it's like, come on. A bunch of adults are spending their time, spending watching hours kids of time play with a ball. Energy, That's Watching what it is. a bunch of kids. And heaven is at stake and hell is on... At I don't stake, know. at risk. Well, and just, it's like, oh Lord, please help us. Well, and and the thing was, was that again, it was easy for me to get a little bit, um, uh, a little bit defensive around that idea of, uh, you know, it, hey, you guys spend a lot of time, and and then the question was, is this from God? And you know, the way she said it was not, it wasn't like chiding in in terms of like angry or upset or I drove all the way up here and you guys are not nothing like that it was a matter of fact just put it out there here it is this is what i'm seeing you guys are spending way too much time and there was a sense of is it really helping your kids helping you know my siblings is it helping your children and that made me pause it was it helping my life too so it it had an impact on me And uh, I'll tell you what that impact was in just a minute. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern. I'm with my wife, Carrie. Please go sign up for the Dr. Tom Kern podcast. I like that, Carrie. I want people to sign up. I want people to, to leave a five-star review, no, five-star rating and a review. Uh, spread the word. We want the this podcast to get further and wider. Thank you for being a faithful listener. All right. The impact it had, the next morning I was up early and taking my little prayer time, and I was tired because the basketball games went long, and we were busy talking about it, and <laughs> and I felt convicted. I was going to give myself the excuse of saying, well, I'm not going to go to Mass this morning. And, oh, time's gone on, and, and we were talking. We were chatting too much. And I looked at my my uh, my phone, and I'm like, oh, I can make it. So quickly got dressed, ran out the door, and made it to Mass. And I thought, I am not going to let – I felt the conviction of I'm not going to let something like basketball stop me from getting to daily Mass. So, so there, Mary Grace, I did it. Now I feel proud. Now you feel proud. Now you're going to get humbled. Yeah. But I, you were saying something about this idea of we're stewards of our time. Well, I, you know, the thing about having a lot of kids is I really didn't have any, I didn't have a lot of extra time. It was taking care of kids. So it was nice. Everything was like, I was accountable <laughs> to to constantly cleaning and attending to and dinners and that sort of thing. You know, the phrase I like is to live a poured out life. Yeah. What and, did I say? No, I just, I like that. Well, you just said I didn't have a lot of time for myself. I had a, I had to be very accountable to the... Just the to duties. Life, to of the duties the of your state of in life. Mom. Yeah. But for me, that's about love because love is self-donation. Self-donation is self-giving to the point of self-sacrifice. That's self-emptying. That's placing time, attention, energy, focus, giving of one's very substance, giving of one's very self for the sake of others, not because I find it particularly joyful, comforting, uh, fulfilling. No, I'm doing this for others. That's what love is, living a poured out life. So that's one of the great gifts that children give is that it doesn't permit you to live. It makes it harder. It doesn't, it doesn't permit it. It makes it harder to live a selfish life. Well, and I always thought having all the kids we did, which was awesome, but so much work, uh, those hours were accounted for, I guess. I, that was what I was doing. If I had a smaller, if we had a lot smaller family, I think I would have had a lot more space, freedom to live more for myself. Not that people that have smaller families live for themselves. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Just me personally, because now I sense or I see my kids are at school all day, and then I have a way more accountability as to how I spend my time. Like, what am I doing with all the hours I have in the day? And there are, you know, plenty of things I'm called to do as a mom and as a wife, but I certainly have more freedom to fall into time wasted 
And I think that goes to how many hours am I spending watching my kids play sports? Do I really have the freedom to do that? And one could say, oh, you're, you're celebrating your child. You're making them the focus. No, I'll tell you because I say it. You're, <laughs> you're loving them. I just, I just don't think... I just don't think that's the healthiest thing for them or for me. I don't feel like that's how I should be spending the majority of my time. If, am I, if I'm watching a sport for three hours, but I didn't take a half hour to pray, an hour to pray. Yeah, that's an ouch I mean, right when you there. start to right. say, am I really spending time with the Lord who's my creator versus watching his creatures? <laughs> it, it's just all out of sorts. It's not the right apprenticeship. That would be really, that would be a powerful standard to say, I only have permission to watch my kids play sports to the extent that I'm praying. Like for every hour I pray, I can at most spend an hour watching my kids. Well, I think it came to me when I started looking at Sundays as Sabbath and holy and seeing us watch football for three hours, which we really have not done for like the last two years, pretty much. Yeah. Right? Have we? Sort of? No, I, I don't think we've even we watched football even one game this I mean, year. I know we, we watched the World Cup. We watched a little bit of the Super Bowl. <laughs> definitely watched well, we the did World watch Cup. the World Cup. But we got <laughs> no, those, highlight, those highlight <laughs> channels the nine were awesome. Minutes, 90 minutes. The nine-minute nine minute games yeah, was that great. Yeah, those were awesome. <laughs> Anyhow, I got to the point where I was thinking, Sunday's supposed to be this holy day, we're spending all these hours watching football. If we're not attending a church or, or f- making God the center at least three hours a day, then we don't have three hours to watch TV. So I had the kids option into worship in the morning, go to a church before mass or adoration at night, go to the, the seminary. I don't know. I just said we've got to at least do three hours or two hours of prayer. I don't know. It's, it's tough. Carrie, I, I want to... I want to cheerlead you on. Yes, I love that. Come on. Come on. You were very impressive. Come on. Super Bowl Sunday. What did I do? What did you do? Oh, I left to go to adoration. You did. (laughs) That was a grace. I thought if the Lord's putting a hunger in my heart to go pray, I better respond. And that just does not happen. And when it was in my heart and I didn't have this desire to stay and watch the game or hang out, which was a great company, super fun couples, um, everything was wonderful. It was a great time, but I just... Yeah, it was like the best of the human, like the best of what the human environment would want. You had nice couples, nice food, a warm environment, a lot of fun. Kids were there, families were there, everyone's enjoying each other. And you said, I just can't stay. I've got to go. I've got to go to adoration. It was really powerful. I said, wow, goodbye. That was the Holy Spirit. That was... It really was. I didn't say it like that. I was sick. So. Yeah, you were sick. I, I, It really was God. And like this whole revival happening or this Bible study I'm doing or this, your desire to, to not watch sports, but to go seek him in the, the adoration chapel, those, those callings, those yearnings, those, those burnings happen from God. It's a gift. Um, because I struggle so much with just the flat, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go deeper. Do I really want to pray right now? Do I really want to open a spiritual book when I can just sit and watch this show that I've been watching every night? I don't know. It's just, anyhow, that was a gift. How often do you have that thought come through your mind that when you face your judgment or when you get to heaven, like you'll have that one little glimpse that said, I can't believe I wasted all of that time not all of the time. I wasted as much time as I wasted in the one life I had to live. How often does that happen to you? Not enough. Honestly, uh, mm-hmm. not enough. I think when I was watching the Mother Teresa movie we watched, did we talk about that on the radio? No. No, we watched it in the last two weeks. Okay. What was it called? Uh, Mother Teresa, No Greater Love. That was so good. Just watching that movie just convicted me of wasted time. That's where I really felt conviction, seeing the fruit of them doing things that were hard and difficult, going into the worst places, whether it was the AIDS patients or the gangs or well, the lepers, the lepers or the, the ones that, that were literally left to die on the streets because they were rejected by their families as untouchable. It was interesting is every few years or every 10 years, she would find the next horrible thing to go help with. 
right? The street like, people okay, where, that are where is the, drug where is addicted. The, the, yeah, where's the <laughs> present scourge? What location in the world or what, what was the nature of the scourge? And it was like, let me dive into it. I'm going to just dive headlong into it. I'm there first. Like whether it was the war-torn Palestine or Haiti or, uh, again, lepers or AIDS patients, it was like, we have to open up a house there. We've got to get our sisters there. And was the sisters, they had one line. There was one line that one of the sisters said, our call is not to serve the poor, but to serve the poorest of the poor. And it was just one of those, take my breath away, tingles, wow. Just speechless. I like the line where he said, you can give me a million dollars to take care of. You couldn't give me a million dollars. To take care of the. To take care of, yes. And she said, you can give me a million dollars either, but I do it for Jesus. Come on. (laughs) You just ruined that I ruined it. Darn, why am I even on the radio? Why do I have to do this? I ruin everything. (laughs) He he said... (laughs) I'm so glad you remember. Mother... You're so impressed. I'm so impressed that you can remember everything. Ah. Mother, you couldn't give me a million dollars to do the work that you're doing. And she said, you couldn't give me a million dollars to do the work that I'm doing either. That it wasn't about money. That's not why she does it. She does it... Uh, because Jesus loved her. Well, then that was ad, that was the follow-up line. Yeah, it was a follow-up line. Well, what was the follow-up line? That was the best part of the quote that I messed up. You don't remember? We better go back and watch it uh, again. I, I thought it was just the... She <laughs> She took the very thing that he said and gave it the complete opposite yeah, meaning. Yeah, and she said, and I do it for Jesus. I do it for love of the Father. I do it for the love Jesus has within me or something. Yeah, it I was, do it to bring the love of Jesus. I do it because I'm loving Jesus there. Yeah, it's all Jesus. It was all about Jesus. It's all Jesus. love in Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I've been loved by Jesus. I've got a love with the love of Jesus. I see Jesus there. I'm going to love Jesus there. And yes. The best part of the movie also, when she mentioned in front of all the world leaders, when she was receiving <sighs> the Nobel Peace Prize about... The murder of unborn children. Yeah. The worst scourge on our simple country. language. So people powerful. frozen. Just frozen. Uh, there's a lot of good points in that movie. Anyhow, that movie convicted me about wasted time. What about you? Why do you feel that? Carrie, I'd love to talk to you about that, but we're up against a break. And so we'll come back. I don't want to waste any more time before we get to our break. And then we'll be back to talk to that together on Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran, along with my wife, Carrie. Carrie, we are talking about not, wanna wait, not wanting to waste time. I don't want to waste this Lent. So when you said, well, you asked me what was the most convicting part of the movie. I, I think it was that line about the, the, our, our mission is to serve the poorest of the poor. That was really powerful to me. Uh, what, was the, what was the part that brought a big smile to your face? I can't remember. Oh, when you saw Father Tom Forrest. Oh, yes. That was so fun. And yeah. that was so good for the kids to see. Yep. And when they were like, oh my goodness, they didn't know who it was. I said, that's the priest who married us. And they're like, what? What are you talking about? How did he get on there? Who is this? What's going on? What are we missing? And so to hear his connection to Mother Teresa was really powerful. Yeah, I think we paused it at that point and you shared a little bit about him, which was really appropriate. Yeah. Anyhow, I think uh, we need some more movies for Lent that are good and holy. Well, and then you kind of flagged down Father Lewis on the way out of the pre-record today, which was great, and you prompted him with a little idea. I don't know if he's going to do it. I'm not sure if he's like looking at me. I think he me. liked the idea. What do you want well, me to if do? If this you don't for? know Father Father Jeff Lewis, you, you listen to him on Sundays on on Sundays on Mondays on Sound Insight. He's on um, most Mondays, and he's the pastor at St. Mary's here in Spokane Valley, and. Uh, he is a bit of an aficionado with theater and films and the history of films and yes. classics and all of that. Yes. So I'm he'd not. be perfect. Well, I I would love, I just would think it'd be fun to find like top eight movies to watch during the Lent because I still think, well, maybe people won't watch any during Lent, but if you're going to, if you have kids and you say, okay, we're not watching any movies, but we're going to, you subtly put on a saint movie here and there. What a great way to evangelize your kids or to shed a light of who was the saint and the holy life they lived and hang out together and, and watch just some great 
life stories. I mean, so it'd be nice to have a, a little list. Can you, you like, get on uh, that? I like documentaries. <laughs> yeah, like documentaries. I like documentaries better than, for instance, um, like a lot of the, not a lot, some of these saint biography type movies are a little bit syrupy. And so they have to be well done. That's what I think would be helpful is do watch this version of Mother Teresa because there are like, there are eight movies on her or seven movies on her. Right. And we were talking about the one that just came out by the Knights of Columbus in 2022. And so we hadn't seen it. We had, I think it was on Amazon Prime, we rented it. But there was one that Poco a Poco, that podcast I mentioned, they talked about a movie that was written that was done 20 years ago that they said was absolutely yeah it was powerful convicting powerful and it actually i think follows her yeah so you it, get a lot of her personal sh- talking whereas this one we watched just the, the other night was a lot about the sisters who are living the life right now and they're sharing about being in that whole ministry i didn't realize how powerful that would be because it in the certain sense was showing that one life lived well so is sown yes. into the lives of those who oh, follow the fruit, right? That, that sense of culture. You want fruit, right? you know, church. This is how you know your church is doing well. Are they bearing fruit, Seattle, mm-hmm. Seattle Church? Are you bearing fruit? Are you feeling those pews or not? <laughs> I mean, seriously, where's the fruit? Then you look at, hey, what are we doing wrong? Right. Well, you, I, I think that this actually is a. This leads me to Mary Grace. And her discerning, maybe she needs to move back here from um, Newburgh. For the summer. For the summer. And even just thinking more long term. Uh, and it was connected to the idea of a Catholic culture. And again, a culture is an atmosphere that is created through relationships. And that has to do with people and handing down and, and handing over and, and shared life and all of that. And I think it's hard to understand culture but it, it goes from your home to the grocery store to the library to p- how people drive in traffic to how you see people being checked out of, at the grocery stand or fruit stand or coffee. Whatever. It's it's in the stadiums. It's when you go watch sports. I mean, it's everywhere. It's not just when you hang out with your Catholic friends. So, Carrie, a couple of quick instances of this with our kids so we want our kids to grow as young men and women of faith, Catholic Christian disciples of Jesus Christ, who are uh, courageous and who are convicting uh, and convicted about living their faith. And that's why we have them studying where they're studying. So they're at this classical school that's Christian. And we were looking at the photos of their, what would be um, comparable to a prom or a homecoming dance. And... On the one hand, it was so deeply moving to me because of the modesty of the the dress that they were wearing, the way they carried themselves, and and the way the the evening unfolded. We've talked about it before, but that's culture. That is culture. That makes such a difference. And the second one was they just finished this basketball tournament in this league with all these other teams, and to hear the way that the league director was describing. This is how sports fits into our life of faith. This is how God is glorified by how we relate to each other. And you heard they went and played basketball at a local gym. Just the other night. Just the other night. First time they've done that since we've been here because they were so busy with with basketball season. Yeah. Yeah. So they had six of their, five of their, our two sons and, and four of their buddies. They went to the gym and they were playing together. And then they got into a game with four other kids, high school kids. And they came back and they, they came back with like stories of these kids were sort of snarky and disrespectful and in your face and um, what's the word? Annoying. Uh, annoying. <laughs> well, so the, what's that when you use that language where you're trying to like set the other kid off, trigger them? What's the, what's that? Come on, I this is know. not a tricky thing. Oh, it's for me. All words are tricky. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, so that didn't carry the culture. You're saying when they went to the gym, I think the kids that they played with were really immature. Yeah. Uh, or it was just, they were bringing their culture to bear. Yeah. And, and, and that's a really easy thing, uh, to talk, talk each other down and try to cut each other down and, and one up each other and all that. Well, Mary, so with Mary Grace, she wants to be in a Catholic culture because she's in this small town and there's a Catholic church that she goes to mass at, and she'll sometimes go into Portland 
to is it the Dominicans? Yeah, the Dominican the Dominican rite where they do the traditional Latin mass, but the Dominican rite of the traditional Latin mass. And she really loves that, but she doesn't have a lot of Catholic friends. And so she's discerning, well, where am I going to live when I graduate from college? I can't live in many places in the country because there's not a deep enough or thick enough Catholic culture where I'm going to flourish as a young adult. And potentially find a husband. Yeah, and also find a husband. (laughs) If you know anybody, no. Um, Not at all. And so anyhow, she wants to come here this summer just to get to know more of the Catholic culture because she has actually not lived here except during a few months of COVID when everything was shut down. And so... I just think it's really cool that she's not settling for, oh, I'll just stay in Newburgh and, um, you know, hang out with my Christian friends. No, she really desires Catholic friends. But you stop and think a level of intentionality that says, when I think about my identity, my purpose, my vision and mission of life, if it isn't centered in your Catholic faith, how easy it is to have that faith dissolve, diminish, and disappear from your life. Any faith, Tom, right? Any faith, any any faith, faith, any faith, yeah. But yes, Catholic too. So should you be surprised, oh dear parents of college-age Catholic kids that you brought up in your Catholic home when it was an easier time and things have gotten harder and the culture has wandered away. And if you're living in a place where your kids come back from Catholic, uh, Catholic colleges, if those Catholic colleges aren't, to use that word, thick, if there isn't that density of relationships that are deeply rooted in living your Catholic faith, these kids' faith, even in Catholic, in name-only colleges, are, are not going to foster a deepened, enriched, flourishing Catholic faith. And then they'll come back and... They won't want to stay. They won't want to stay. It won't be like, it'll be like a desert. Or their faith won't stay. Which is even worse. Which is terrible. So uh, that's the dilemma that uh, so many young people are in. And then just to finish, you were saying the same thing about young couples. Young couples that get married, they're fervent about their faith, and they want to have other couples to grow with. And so... That was, that's been one of the blessings as well, not only with you and your group of these uh, ladies that are more your age and stage in life, but I'm aware of at the cathedral in particular, they have a number of young couples, young married couples with little kids that are getting together regularly for fellowship and, and for uh, community. I just think that's a beautiful gift. So good. So, so good. So it, Lent is coming, folks. And pray and discern, like, it's time for us to not be wasting our time, wasting our lives. (laughs) Stop wasting your life. (laughs) Stop wasting. What are you wasting your life doing? But be ready, right, to be humbled in, in whatever it is that the Lord has for us this Lent. He has something good for us, but that journey is going to be one that takes us through the desert. It's going to be going to be something that stretches us and and causes us to diminish our connection to the bondage of the Egypt that we're in. And we don't want that. We want to go further up, further into the glory that God has for our lives. Let's pray for that kind of Asbury University revival to happen even here in our homes, in our faith, in our church, maybe even in adoration chapels. All right. Thanks so much for listening. God bless your day. Join uh, Join me on Monday for Sound Insight.